Father, we thank you, dear God. You're so wonderfully awesome. We're super excited about what you're uh, showing us and what you're uh, teaching us. We ask that for all the hearers uh, today, that they would have their mind arrested with thoughts of you and your word. Pray that you would open our eyes, God, that we may see all that you'd have us to see. Open our ears, God, that we can hear everything you want us to hear. And God, we ask that through this process, through this teaching, through this series, that we truly obtain financial freedom because we've accepted the truth and received the freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, here we go. For the love of money, part three. Today we'll be dealing with the Levitical tithe. So we talked a little bit already about um, the concept of tithes, the law, how it pertained. We talked about when the New Testament actually begins, uh, understanding when the law ends, or when the law ended rather, and when, as we live now, under the disp dispensation of grace has occurred is vitally important to understand. We dealt with Matthew 23, 23 in the context. We've talked about identifying the audience and how uh, important it is to understand uh, the audience in reading the Bible. Uh, partly, also, we've talked about... Um, some of the basic principles of studying scripture which are vitally important uh, when you're dealing with doctrinal issues uh, like this one because if what is written is misunderstood then you don't actually get the benefit of what the truth is, the truth is presenting. And I like to use this example um, I was in a, um, a laundromat, and there near the uh, section where you dry your clothes was a table that you would fold clothes on. And there was a sign on the table that says, um, do not sit on table. You know, I guess the concept is that if, you, if people are sitting on them, then it you know, maybe would mess the legs up, or people can actually use them to, dry their to fold their clothes once they get them out the dryer. So I thought to myself, of course, is that the sign said, do not sit on the table. So I wondered, would it have been appropriate for me to stand on the table? Of course, if management comes in and I'm standing on the table, I did not violate what was written. But of course, I don't think anyone would agree that standing on the table was appropriate because at that point obviously I was not abiding by the principle that was communicated in what was written and I think that's what happens in scripture all too often I think that that people are not abiding by the principle uh, in scripture they're more so you know they'll take something read it and then they'll just they'll just go off with it so we, we want to we want to try and impact that, that line of thinking, that way of thinking. Uh, so what we deal with here at the Freedom Center is inductive Bible study, meaning that um, we look at the context of the passages of Scripture that are written. Uh, it has been said that any text without a context is a pretext. 
you, you know, you're just simply saying what you wanted to say. But you really can't do that. You, the scripture really does mean what it says. And even at the point to where it is something that may make you feel uncomfortable because of current lifestyle situation or what you were exposed to growing up or what is an innate desire to be right. When the Bible presents something that is contrary to that, it is not beneficial for you to change what the Bible is saying for your own aggrandizement. So we, we want to use a really good inductive Bible study techniques and tools to do this. So uh, again, context is important, historical, geographical context within that, uh, identifying the audience, you know, ask the five questions in, in particular passages of scripture. Uh, the who, what, when, where, why. And then you can go on to ask uh, how. How is it being done? You know, and the answer is not always to the power of God. You know, that's, you know, no, there's, there's some very practical ways that God, that God does things. So you know, I want to put that just as a preface uh, as we continue through the study because especially when you're dealing in the Old Testament, and let's face it, if we're going to address uh, you know, this series for the love of money and, and specifically dealing with the tithe and how it is erroneously taught today that God requires a tithe of believers. You know, in order for us to teach this and deal with this, we have to go to where it is located. And it is located in the Old Testament. Okay? Alright, so we talked, when I went through the overview and I gave you all the different things we'll be talking about, today we're going to be dealing with the Levitical tithe. There are four tithes that I'll, I'll deal with and I'll teach on. There are four. There's the Levitical tithe, then there is the Levite tithe of the tithe, and then there is the festival tithe, and then lastly there's the poor tithe. So there are four tithes that Scripture deal with, and we're going to deal with the Levitical tithe today. Um, now, the Levitical tithe uh, was given to, as you may in, induce from the name, the Levites. Uh, the Levites were a, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they were not... Um, um, allowed to go and possess things or to have things uh, of their own. Uh, the Levites were set aside to, uh, by God for their work in the temple and they were to be taken care of essentially uh, by the other 11 tribes. Um, we talked briefly about for the Levites who would become priests had to have Aaron in their lineage. So just kind of understand that as we go down through here. Um, so there are two parts to the Levitical tithe. There was crops and there were animals. Now please understand whenever tithe is discussed in the Bible it is 
always referring to food. There is but one exception, and that is when you had to carry crops or animals a very long distance. Then you could convert it to money and take it, and then you need to convert it back. Okay, and I'm not going to get too far into that because we'll deal with that, but please understand, the tithe always refers to food. And we are not given license nor liberty to today decide, well, not everybody are farmers today, so we give money as a substitute. Well, I'm going to show you, not everybody was farmers back then either. So occupations are irrelevant. Beyond that, not everybody was required to tithe in Israel. And, and I'll show you. So let's go to Leviticus, the 27th chapter. Leviticus, the 27th chapter, starting at verse 30. And I'll read for you. It says, And all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's it is holy to the Lord okay could you go back for me and underline of the land and all the tithe of the land underline of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, you can underline of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So it has been presented, I know, on many occasions that all the tithe belongs to God. But that actually is not what the scripture says. It says, and all the tithe of the land, whether it's of the seed of the land, meaning that which you've planted, or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. So, when it's presented that all the tithe belongs to God, we have to include what is after the prepositional phrase of, which shows possession or intent, which is of the land. Very vitally important. Okay, so here you have everything that is produced by the land God is saying a tithe of that belongs to me now we're dealing with the Levitical tithe so we understand that the recipient of the tithe and we'll get to it will be the Levites and he is setting aside so so here's the concept the land, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. So the land belongs to God. He says, okay, so 
whatever it is that you're planting, now remember it's two parts, crops and animals deal with crops. So whatever it is that you plant on the land, or whatever tree that is on your land that produces fruit, I want a tithe of the fruit and a tithe of what you planted to go to the Levites. Now, there's another piece in here I, I want to just point out real quickly, and that is, it's holy unto the Lord. See, so a lot of people want to be able to present to you that tithes, you can't mess with tithes because tithes are holy to the Lord. Well, that little phrase there, and I'm not going to take time to deal with it now, or I promise you we will never get to the end of this series. Um, it's holy unto the Lord. There's a lot of things that are written in the Old Testament that concludes with, it is holy unto the Lord. That in and, of, in and of itself is not justification that the tithe still should exist today and is required by God. Because if we were to just go find the phrases themselves as, as a means to, uh, to actuate uh, a particular commandment to be acted today, there'd be a whole lot of issues that we deal with in our society for the believers. Uh, so so that, that's not valid. Okay, you, you, again, inductive Bible study, you're, you're going to have to take the full context of, of where it is, what's presented, what's around it, and what's going on. Okay, so now let's deal with um, who are the people who are giving the tithes. So we, we know that who was getting the tithes. We also know what it was supposed to be coming from, which was a tithe of the land. Let's go to Leviticus, the 25th chapter. Starting at verse 6. Okay, it says, and the, and the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, for, for you, your, your male and female servants, your hired men, and the stranger who, deals, who dwells with you. And let me just um, enter, enter this as, as, as state's evidence, so to speak that uh, there are additional occupations that were in existence uh, during the times that we're reading, that this, is, that this is being written, that we're reading about. So it's not as if everybody was a farmer. It's not as though that there weren't other occupations that were going on. And so here's the deal. If you own land, and you, and if you farm that land and you put seed in the ground and crops came up on that land, you were required to tithe off of what came out of the ground on your land. The same with the trees. We read that. But here's the, here's the key, and, and I just read for you some additional occupations, servants, hired, hired hands, essentially. If you were to go, and let's say here, Pastor Rob over here owns some land, and, and they're out there, and they're turning butter, and, and, uh, and Kate's over here, and she's, she's sewing clothes for the kids, and they got log cabin stuff happening, right? And so then, uh, Pastor Rob give me a job, and I get to go work his land. And so I'm out there and I'm working 12 hours a day and, uh, and, it, and, and, and after I'm done, Pastor Rod doesn't give me money as payment for my labor, but he allows me to take some food 
to feed my family, okay? I am not required to tithe off of what I receive from my labor because I am not the landowner. The person who owns the land is required to produce a tithe off of the seed that is planted on his land. So I would not have been required. So I want you to understand, and we'll see the scriptures here as we build our case, not everybody in Israel was required to tithe. Again, not everyone in Israel was required to tithe. Okay, so let's, let's also, let's take a look at, let me, let me just deal with this piece. There's so much information here. The tithe itself um, was on a seven-year cycle. Okay, so, so the concept again is that the Levites are the ones that are getting the tithe. So all, everybody who owns the land, at, at harvest time, they were required to take a tithe or a tenth off of what their land produced, their crops, at harvest time, and take them to the Levites. Now the Levites themselves were spread around in different cities. Levites lived in different cities. And so they would actually take the tithes, their crops, grain, and fruits to the Levites wherever they were in their different cities. Now, the the seven-year cycle was that for six years you would farm the land, you would produce crops, harvest, but on the seventh year, you would not. Turn with me to Exodus, the 23rd chapter, and let's take a look at how this lays out. Right, so, you know, the, the concept of tithes, if we're going to do tithes the way that, that we're reading about, the way it's laid out, then today, in essence, it would not be correct. It would not be accurate. It would not be um, the way scripture says because for every, out of every seven years, on the seventh year, you would have to stop. Right? First of all, we read that the tithe is from everything of the land. That's first. So you're dealing with crops, grain, and fruit from trees. Okay, Exodus, the 23rd chapter, starting at verse 10, says six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow that the poor of your people may eat. And what they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. In like manner you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. So let's just think about this for a moment. Okay, so you're out there, you're producing, and you're dealing with all of the all of the crops and grains and things like that, you're paying tithes year after year after year. Seventh year, you don't do it. Now, part of it, the reason, is for the poor people. And, you know, Pastor Rob and I were having an interesting conversation, and we we're talking about how today, especially Word of Faith preachers, are into, you, you are a seed of Abraham, and he was wealthy, so you shall be wealthy. Well, I don't know about you, but it did just say so that the poor people may eat. 
So I don't understand how is it possible that you have poor people then who are also the seed of Abraham, the physical seed of Abraham, and yet they are poor. Jesus himself says, and the poor you shall have with you always. So listen, again, you have to use scripture in its context and appropriately. Being the seed of Abraham doesn't mean you're going to be driving a Bentley or be rich or anything like that at all. And the scripture does not support it. We just have to get to what the Bible actually says. But I digress. Okay. So, the, the, seventh year, the Sabbath year harvesting the crops. So it doesn't happen. You let your, your ground um, lay fallow. So you may ask yourself then, if they're not harvesting the seventh year, right, because it's a seven-year cycle, six years you harvest, the seventh year you don't do any of that, how would they eat? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to to Leviticus, the 25th chapter. Starting at verse 18. And we're going to to look to see how God laid this out. And then you have to understand, God takes care of all of this. And again, within the context of what we're reading in the Old Testament, this is how it's laid out. This is how the tithes work. This is what the Israelites were dealing with. And again, you just, you can't up and decide, I want to change, you know, stuff to work. You know, um, when, you know, a lot of people use the King James Bible, you know, the 1611, the authorized version 1611, and that one has the weed, thou dostest, comest, if thou wouldest, you know, that whole piece. And so we're talking about how, you know, it's one thing to have the King James authorized 1611 version with all the be thou thusest that no one speaks. They don't speak like that over in England or Great Britain. We don't speak like that here. Essentially, it's a dead language. And so when you read it, you may not quite understand. So it's one thing to have the, the NIV or the Amplified or somebody come and take what's written and just put the words in more plain English. So, you know, if, if the King James, you know, and Jesus permitted that the children would come unto thee. And then the NIV says, God let the little children come close. <laughs> Right, because the concept is the same, is that it's just in, in more plain English. It's another thing for, you know, to go back and translate and say, well, God desired that the children would come and be supported financially by the people of the church that he has created. But, that, but that's not what that said. See, so you, you, can't, you can't take something out of the Bible and make it say what you want it to say. The tithes was food. It was not money. Did they have money back then? Yes. They had money. They had currency. The, the tithe didn't have anything to do with that. And you just can't up and make it have something to do with it today. So let's look at how God dealt with this whole thing. So the seventh year, they, they didn't harvest or anything like that. So how did they eat? Okay, 20, uh, verse 18 says, so you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them. And you will dwell in the land in safety. Then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your field and dwell there in safety. And if you say, 
what shall we eat in the seventh year since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year and it will bring forth produce enough for three years and you shall sow in the eighth year and eat old produce until the ninth year until its produce comes in you shall eat of the old harvest hello somebody God got this thing worked out does he not so you so the complete nine-year cycle then is that six years that you you sowed and planted and harvested the seventh year you didn't touch the ground and by the way the poor came in during that time and ate what was ever coming up because you know you still have you know seed that falls on the ground when you harvest in and then rain comes and so it, it actually stuff is still growing so the poor come in then on the eighth year you go back and you plant again but you have, you have no harvest right seventh year didn't have anything the eighth year you were planting and by the way for you non-farmers out there you can't you can't sow and reap at the same time i'm not going to digress into that subject matter but you did hear what i said you can't sow and reap at the same time because it's a whole lot of reaping that be prophesied and ain't nobody sold nothing Okay. Usa. All right, so the crops then, as they're presented, that we see, um, are nothing like how tithe is being presented today. And also understand that as a landowner, it was all about seed. So you only again were given tithes off of the seed you planted if something was on your property your land growing wild you didn't have to tithe off of that you only tithe off of what you planted all right now let's go to numbers 18 because i said i was going to show you exactly who they were giving the tithes to numbers the 18th chapter And I'll read starting at verse, uh, well, let me start at verse 20. Numbers 18, verse 20. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am their portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. So we talked about how the Levites didn't have anything. They had no, that was my plan, by design. Verse 21, Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. So the Levites worked the tabernacle of meeting. Now, they weren't out uh, sowing seed. They didn't have land. They didn't, so they weren't producing crops because they were busy working in the tent of meeting. So what God did is said, all the other 11 tribes, you give a tithe over the crops that you produce and give them to the Levites so they can eat. They don't have the opportunity that you do to go out and work the land. I mean, do you see the concept? you see the principle here that's at work? And so that's, that is essentially also explains why God was not commanding them to give money. What are they going to do with money? <laughs> they need the food to eat. God is not going to have them grow, give them money, they turn around to go back and buy what they just grew. Just give them what they grew. Tax was always food. Now I told you that there was there was a um, 
It was twofold the time. One was crops, the other was animals. Okay, you had, you had two. And again, and let me just, before we transition into the animal portion, um, again, the Levites resided in different cities. And so you would make sure that your tithes would be given to those in the city. And I make that point because there are, and when we deal with the feast, you'll see that all of them were required to go to Jerusalem. And that's where the distances came into play, which is why you would have, you would have been, you had to gain permission to take your food, put it into money for the travel. Right? I mean, if you, you got big time property, you know, you, you, how you going to, you know, hold all this stuff with you, it's just too much for travel. So just keep that in mind, and, and at one point we'll go back and I'll, I'll do the series Connecting the Dots, and we'll see that whole money-changing table, why that whole scenario blew up like it did, based on what we're reading. Okay, so let's deal with the animals now. Okay, uh, let's go to Leviticus, the 27th chapter. Man, isn't this awesome? Leviticus, Numbers. I know you guys spend a lot of time reading, just reading about all the different ceremonial laws and all the, yeah, I know, I can see it. Some of you are just flipping pages like crazy. You're just happy. All right, uh, let's deal with the 32nd, sorry, the 32nd verse. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Underline the tenth one. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Okay, so let's explain. So let's explain this and how it works, right? Okay, so you read here that you're going to have a herd or a flock. All right, so not, not everybody was a farmer. Now remember, when we read um, Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus was telling the Pharisees, woe to the Pharisees, we, we dealt with that whole piece, the audience was a Pharisee, and he says, you tithe of mint, cumin, dill. Uh, well, you know, the reality is that in that scenario was that those were Pharisees, they were not farmers, they were Pharisees, but they may have a little garden in their yard, you know, something like that, and then you plant some seed, and so they would, you know, it would raise up and then they would go pick. And this, that's your tent. This tent. I got mine. I'm holy. Look. I mean, and they, the, the law didn't actually require them to do that, by the way. But they were trying to be more, more than holy, you know, to show how different they were from everyone else. Okay, just like not everyone was a farmer, because we read some different occupations here. And you also know that with Moses, that you had people who were artisans. The people who did the drapes and did the, the welding and all. So not everybody was a farmer. Also, not, every, uh, not everybody uh, owned animals as well. Okay, so not everybody, you know, look out the window, they got four cows or something like that. It, it didn't happen that way. All right, so I'm going to read one more time, then I'm going to explain to you how this looked. All right, so verse 32 says, And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, of whatever passes under the rod, okay? Now the rod was the shepherd's rod, okay? Keep that in mind, look, you probably see a nativity scene, and you see the shepherds, you go, ah, that's not a rod, but that's okay, we'll use that because it's a visual for you, okay? Um, it says, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. I ask you to underline the tenth one. So this is how this works, okay? So when it comes time for the herds, 
Let me just pause right there. I was not able to find, unlike the crops, the crops were given at harvest time. Because you couldn't give them before harvest time. I, I could not find a specific time period that people were required to tithe of the animals. It very well could be the harvest, and I would think that it would be, but that's my opinion. Do you, do you understand? I could not, I, I did not specifically see at this time of the year, it, it didn't say, I didn't find it there. All right, just the, Display. Okay, so when it was time, they would gather, you would gather your animals into a big pen. And then there would be a chute that would come out of the pen and grow more narrow and more narrow and more narrow until eventually only one animal can, can walk through at a time. At the end of the opening, the shepherd would lay his rod across the end of the chute. And then he would count as the animals came through. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten will be pushed to the side for God. The next, one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, and then the tenth one. The scripture says, and concerning the tithes of the herd or the flock or of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy unto the Lord. So, if, if a person owned 19 cows, 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 to the Lord. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, there's no tip one. So how many did they tie that they own 19? One. What you going to do, cut it in half? <laughs> I mean, no, it doesn't work that way. The tenth one. If a person owned nine heads of livestock, how much did they tithe? Zero. You wouldn't tithe. Because the tenth one is what was holding to the Lord. If you didn't have ten, so if you were a carpenter, but you own three cows for butter, milk, or whatever the case is, you wouldn't tithe off of that. So you didn't tithe off everything you owned anyway. Verse 33, watch. This is the kicker. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy, it shall not be redeemed. So watch what it says. So you're counting, right? It just it comes through. You're coming one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten over here. Now the tenth one could have been jacked up, lame, crippled, one eye. Or it could have been the best you had. But during this particular time that you just read, you weren't supposed to see if it was good or bad. You simply counted and the tenth one belonged to God. So people was, you know, they say, you always got to give God your best. But that's not what it says. In this time, you were not required to give God your best. You were required to give God the tenth one. Oddly enough, we're going to deal to when you're supposed to give God your best, and you'll be surprised at who God was talking to. Okay. So let's, quick review. Um, okay, who were supposed to give the animal tides? 
shepherds and I mean uh, shepherds and animal owners who own ten or more. If you own nine, you you have to tithe off that. Um, what were they supposed to be tithing? Animals that they raised. So if you were caring for the flock and raising the flock and all that, you, you, you herded them into the pen, you, you did the shoot and the rod, and you gave God a tenth one. Right? If some you know, wild animal happened onto your property, that did not count against you. Right? You have nine animals and, and you know, a deer or something runs across your property and they're like, oh, look, look, that's ten, you're cheating God. No. You know, and I equate that to, you know, ooh. I'm going to try to be real plain here. Um, the, the whole purpose of this series is to show scripturally that God does not require a tithe of the believer today. God never required a tithe of the believer today. And, and essentially I'm trying to show you specifically, first and foremost, what a tithe is. So what we call tithe today is not an actual tithe. If people are requiring you to give 10% of your income to their local church organization, fine. I don't have a problem with that actually. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. And if people who go there want to give a 10% of their income, that's great. If any of you want to give 10% of your income to the Freedom Center, awesome. What I can't say and maintain biblical, scriptural, and personal integrity is that God requires it of you. He doesn't require a tenth of your income. He surely doesn't require a tithe of the believers today. It was for Israel alone. And a tithe was always food. So if you're going to take away the tenth and substitute the word tithe and you want to require people to tithe at your local church organization today, you need to have a really large food pantry and some place to keep all the animals. Now, let me just say this. For those that are so legalistic in their mindset that they are requiring people to tithe, give 10% of the income to the local church, out of everything that they own or receive via income, and you are taking your baby's birthday money, you are taking your baby's Christmas money, and you are taking 10% away from them, stop the foolishness. It is not of God, and God is not pleased. Represent God correctly and fully and allow God's grace, love, and forgiveness to motivate your actions, your words, and your deeds. Okay. So, the, the, the last part I want to say, wrap it up, we're, we're done for this particular part. Um, the Levitical tithe given to the Levites because they had no inheritance of their own. Crops of the land that's, that's whatever seed that you planted, fruit of the tree. Animals, the tenth one, didn't matter whether it was good animal, bad animal, lame, right? You had three legs or six legs, didn't matter because you were just counting. You might have been hoping. You're like, oh, no, not that one, not that one. Come on, somebody beat him to the spot. But you couldn't, you couldn't do nothing with it, right? I mean, you just had to count it. 
Right. Uh, and then we talked about, uh, excuse me, also with the crossbows, the uh, seven-year cycle that they had, six years that you planted and, and, and you, uh, you, you reaped, but then the seventh year you didn't do anything, the eighth year you, you planted again, and then the ninth year is when you were able to harvest again. Uh, now that was also just one piece of this, we're not going to get into this now, but that seven-year cycle that ended up being nine years total was part of the 50-year cycle the Israelites had and the 50th year being called Jubilee. And Jubilee essentially was a way of re-leveling or rebalancing uh, the economy in Israel because during that time, if you were a landowner and you, for whatever reason, ended up selling parts of all your land, at the 50th year of the, of the cycle, on the, that year called Jubilee year, you would receive your land back. All right, so you have something out there talking about this is the year of Jubilee. Now you may see that on Christian television and websites and all that kind of stuff, and they're talking about the year of Jubilee. First of all, that economic cycle was for Israel. This is America. If you sell your land, <laughs> unless you have the money to buy it back, you're not getting it back. And anyone who tells you you need to sow a seed which is so ironic, I'm not even going to go there, but you have to sow a seed so that you can get your land back in the year of Jubilee is utterly ridiculous. Okay, it, it is not applicable for today. Just like the tithe is not applicable, it was how to sustain their society, how to sustain their community and their culture. Their, that's how they live. The Levites didn't have their own stuff, so God commissioned uh, animals and crops and grain stuff to be given to them. So that's that. Okay, now next week, we're going to be dealing with the Levite tithe of the tithe. And I told you that that saying about, well, you got to give your best to the Lord, we're going to explore that a little bit more. Because we know definitively now that in, in that time, you actually had a tithe where you didn't have to give God your best, just the tenth one. Bow your heads. God, we thank you. You're so wonderfully awesome and holy. We thank you for what you're teaching us, what you're showing us in your word, what the truth is. God, we thank you that you're positioning the Freedom Center to be able to share with others your grace, your love, and your forgiveness. Now, God, bless this community that we serve, those that are listening to the World Wide Web, and all those that you have placed in our past and them in ours. To your glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.